the Stretch 4 NBA podcast with your hosts, Dan Titus and NBA experts Alex Burns, Zach Hanshu, and Adam Koffler. What's up, NBA fans? Dan Titus here, your host of the Stretch 4 NBA podcast. Excited to get into everything that happened in week eight from Devin Booker's resurgence to some of these Pistons that are getting an opportunity to play and shine. Uh, who to target, you know, who to buy and sell, all that good stuff. So before we get started, I just want to give a shout out to Underdog Podcast for hosting us. It's been a great ride thus far. Can't believe we're already three episodes in. So keep on listening. Make sure to subscribe. And yeah, man, let's get into it. So in addition to uh, going over some of the week eight uh, recap that we usually do, we're also going to uh, get to Twitter and answer some of your questions in a new segment we call the Burnsy Mailbag. So look forward to talking more about that. But that being said, let's kick it off. Burnsy, what are your thoughts on the week? Yeah, but it was insane. Um, a crazy week of basketball. Um, a lot of things stuck out. Uh, a lot of trends uh, starting to brew, starting to form a little bit. Uh, a lot of the takes that we hit last week, um, and I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit, but LaMelo Ball has just been absolutely on a tear uh, this week, that continued. Um, Devin Booker, I'm sure we'll get to him in a little bit. I want to hear Adam's response to to saying Devin <laughs> Booker was a glorified Tim Hardaway. Uh, I'm sure he has a rebuttal for that one. But Devin Booker's been great. I uh, just really enjoyed watching some hoops this week. Um, I'm sure you guys feel the same. Yeah, and it seems like the uh, the Cleveland – hot off the presses here, guys. It seems like the Cleveland Cav- Cavaliers have found uh, their valentine. Uh, here in the last uh, few hours. It sounds like uh, Andre Drummond's been put on the trade block. So Jared Allen and the Cleveland Cavaliers have this new marriage uh, of him entering the starting lineup and putting up some big numbers. Uh, If and when Andre Drummond is traded, you know, that opens up tons of minutes for Jared Allen. He showed what he can do in Brooklyn with those minutes when DeAndre Jordan was on the bench. Uh, It sounds like the Cavaliers are not even going to play Andre Drummond here uh, until he's traded. So really love what Jaron Allen's going to bring to the table, his values on the up and up. Um, like like Alex Burns said, uh, Devin Booker, uh, kind of eat my words there with Devin Booker. Uh, since I talked about him as a sell-high candidate, he averaged 32.2 points on 22 shots per game in his last four games. But to my defense, he doesn't really do a whole lot other than get you <laughs> points and some threes. He's still averaging just like four rebounds and four assists per game when Chris Paul's in the lineup. When Chris Paul was out of the lineup, he got you eight assists and 11 assists in those two games. So I like him a lot when Chris Paul's off the floor. He's a little bit more than a glorified Tim Hardaway. However, I would still rather have LaMelo Ball, especially with Devontae Graham going down with an injury last night. Hanshu, what do you think? That's just what I was going to ask you, man. Are you still uh, are you still willing to take uh, Lamelo over Booker? And and obviously that's what you said. Um, I, I don't think we've questioned how elite Booker can be, man. Uh, I mean, obviously that big game yesterday where he was just lighting it up. But again, you're right. He's not doing a whole lot on the peripherals. You know, you drafted him to be a, a top ten, top fifteen guy. We thought that's kind of where he was heading. Um, and again, this offense is just running a little bit slower. Uh, Phoenix is getting a lot out of its role players, Mikael Bridges, um, and other guys coming off the bench that are really producing for them. I just don't know if that ten, you know, top ten to top, even maybe top twenty ceiling is still there for Booker. I mean, do you guys think that he still has that kind of ceiling anymore? I, I'm not sure. No. Yeah, I would agree. I think we... um, yeah, I would definitely agree. It's it's interesting though because I, 
you know, I look at the the box score and even watching the way that the Suns have been playing with, you know, as of late, um, to Zach's point, their bench has been extremely valuable. And it's really just, I mean, I don't think Booker has to work as hard. He's still going to give you the buckets, but from his all-around game perspective, you know, he's not providing that same value that we've seen in years past. So I just want to call out, though, thank you, Burns, for checking Mr. Koffler for his extremely spicy take of Devin Booker's <laughs> sell. Um, I just wanted to mention, as, as we were going through the, the, the week of information and just crazy uh, play out of people that we weren't really thinking about, I think I have a new Bay in Sadiq Bay, man. Like, that guy was... <laughs> He was cooking last week, and uh, I think he, he put up a career-high 30 points, and you know I think he's getting a lot more minutes with uh, Blake Griffin. Probably going to be another person on the trade block, but similar to Drummond, I don't think he's going to net much uh, in terms of value. So I don't know. I think this is a good time for, for Sadiq Bey to really get some minutes. He's only 13% owned in Yahoo leagues, and uh, yeah, he's going to get – I think he got 38 minutes last game, so be on the lookout for him. I think he's really a, a, a waiver wire to check out. Great point, Dan. Uh, bad teams, young players, there's a, that's a match made in heaven for fantasy basketball. So the Pistons aren't going anywhere. Why not see what you have in Sadiq Bay? Develop the guy. I believe he was a 42% uh, three-point shooter in college uh, his sophomore year. So the, the high percentage from three-point range this season is nothing unusual for Sadiq Bay. And he's gotten... 39 minutes in his last two games as a, as a you know he came off the came off the bench for his career high 30 points 12 rebounds like you said followed that up with 38 minutes in the starting lineup for Blake Griffin put up 16 4 and 6 he's looking like a guy even if he's coming off the bench when Blake Griffin plays he's still going to get you 25 30 minutes a game and and he's got a lot of potential moving forward yeah let me say something about Sadiq Bay um to your point he's been Awesome. I love watching him play ever since he was drafted. I thought he was one of the steals of the drafts um, coming into this season. Um, he's been a little frustrating for me just because he's not getting the minutes that I think he should get on a Detroit Pistons team. But looking at his last couple games, he shot 11 of 15, 72% shooting overall. I'm not sure uh, that's sustainable. So, you know, I don't know. He's definitely somebody that uh, I think he could provide some value to your team, but not somebody that I think I want to go grab right now off the waiver wire. What happens if he regresses to the mean and he starts shooting 40% from downtown? I mean, his numbers are going to drop considerably. But he is getting the minutes, and he's somebody worth keeping an eye on. I'm just not too confident that he's going to keep up shooting nearly 72% overall and, like, 70% from three. Yeah, I, I think that's a good point on the, the hot shooting. Um I also, I, I'm curious, what do you guys think about Josh Jackson and, and Sadiq Bay? I mean, which one would you rather have right now? Because, uh, you know, J Jackson's not really a guy that's giving you a ton on the peripherals, but he's still, it seems like he's somebody Detroit's really relied on as far as a, you know, primary scoring option, um, you know, next to Jeremy Grant. What do you what do you guys think? Would you rather have Bay or Jackson? Which one has more upside rest of season? So I'll make this quick. I'll go with Sadiq Bay because he enters the starting lineup when Blake Griffin's out. So Josh Jackson looks to be the, the guy that's coming off the bench there. Uh, I want the guy in Sadiq Bay who's going to get 38 minutes when he starts. Yeah, I would go also go Sadiq Bay mainly because the Pistons are so bad. I think as the season wears on, they're going to want to look at their younger talent. Josh Jackson, while he's still young, he's been in the league for a little while, so I think we know what we have there. So are the Pistons our new Sacramento Kings? We're going to talk about the entire Pistons <laughs> roster. I mean, we might, so as well, go, we might as well get into DeLon Wright now, right? <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm going to go there with DeLon Wright. DeLon Wright's been putting up 18 points on 59.6% shooting from the field. 
with five rebounds, seven assists, and one steal in 35 minutes per game in his last five games. So since Derrick Rose has been traded out of Detroit uh, on his way to New York, Daylon, the minutes have opened up for Daylon Wright, and he's been cooking ever since. Uh, he's putting up he's putting up numbers actually similar to Drew Holiday, what he's been doing this season uh, in his last five games. I'm not saying Daylon Wright is Drew Holiday. I mean, Drew Holiday's out with COVID right now, uh, we believe. So um, Daylon Wright's definitely giving you the production. Is it, is, it, is it Daylon or is it DeLon? I think it's DeLon. Man, I don't know. I think it's DeLon Wright. <laughs> DeLon Do we have Wright. a pedal on our hands here? <laughs> I think it's DeLon oh, Wright. I'm speaking, pretty sure. speaking, of, speaking of pedal, man, Jakob Pertl's been crushing. We got to talk about Jakob Pertl. Seriously, I mean, 10 points, 10 rebounds, 3.2 blocks, one steal in 28 minutes per game this week. Uh, LaMarcus Aldridge still without a timetable for a return. Uh, this is somebody that, that you should have add, added last week, but, um, I, you know, there's still an opportunity. I mean, he's widely available in most leagues. Um, he's just, he's just a monster. And, and like we said, LaMarcus Aldridge, no timetable, who knows how long he's going to miss. Uh, doesn't look too much. Uh, doesn't look too, uh, promising with, with his future and the immediate future for LaMarcus Aldridge. So Jakob Petal, uh, is, is somebody that I'm, I'm looking to add. Absolutely, man. Um, and he's, I, I was just looking at the numbers here. He was the 11th ranked player in nine cat leagues over the last week, just absolutely, uh, you know, destroying it. Um, and he's been, uh, again, throughout his career, he's been kind of a per 36 monster. He just has never seen consistent yeah. playing time. Um, so do we think even when Aldridge comes back, that Pirtle's going to remain, uh, you know, viable? I mean, I do. Yeah, I don't think LaMarcus Aldridge is coming back. He's kind of like Kevin Love. Those guys just aren't going to play. Even though Kevin Love is, is expected back soon. I, I don't know if I trust that. Kevin Love, Blake Griffin, LaMarcus Aldridge, these aren't guys I want on my fantasy team. I want their, I want their backups. Right. Yeah, I'd be in the selling market for all those guys you just mentioned. Um, if you have them rostered, I mean, there's going to be a point where you're going to just be frustrated. Like I saw in one of my more competitive leagues, Blake Griffin's on waiver wires. Like he just has the name notoriety to this to this point, same as Lamarcus Aldridge. They're not really going to provide you much fantasy value. Yeah, Blake Griffin. I, I would say Blake Griffin was a drop uh, a couple weeks ago, honestly, especially in competitive leagues where people know what they're doing. Um, while we talk about the Spurs, um, what do you guys think about Derek White? I got a question on Twitter. Um, there was somebody who, who was asking, said, hey, who should I pick up? There was a slew of names, and Derek White was one of those names. I know he had a kind of a, a wobbly start to the week. I think he had like two points one game. He shot one for 11. It was He was cold. Um, but he just ended you know, last night, ended the week with a 25-point outburst. So uh, to me, when I look at Derek White and I see him included in, the, in a list of names, I think Derek White is a must-add. I don't think he's like, oh, a streamer, waiver wire guy, pick him up, they can drop him in a couple games. I think he's a must-add. Do we all feel the same about Derek White? I concur. Yeah, for sure. You saw his potential in the bubble last season. He was putting up games with lines of 25 seven rebounds, seven assists. Like, he looked really good in the bubble last season. So he's absolutely an ad. Um, if he's on somebody else's roster, I would I would still try to buy low on Derek White. So speaking of buy lows, is there anybody else that we're really feeling in terms of uh, trying to maybe increase, get some trade value, or someone that's been playing horrible that maybe this is a good time to strike while the iron's hot? Uh, my first, The first person that comes to mind is Jeremy Grant. This guy's been a stud for a lot of fantasy rosters. I know we're going back to the Pistons once again, but uh, he's really struggled in his last three. And, you know, I think that there's a good opportunity here where, you know, he might just have hit of mid season rut. He still provide, he's still scoring over 20 points a game, easily setting career highs across the table. 
think that's a person you could definitely target if uh, a manager is maybe getting a little frustrated over a week of bad performance. Yeah, totally agree. Um, a, a guy I'd buy low on now is Malcolm Brogdon. Mm-hmm. Malcolm Malcolm Brogdon, uh, starting the season, was an absolute monster, averaging 22 points, 7 assists. Over his last six games, he's averaging just 15.2 points on 34% field goal shooting and 5.2 assists per game, and that's since February 3rd. Karis LeVert and TJ Warren you know, are both ramping up activity a little bit. They're probably out. You know, indefinitely still, uh, you know, maybe looking at a March, April timeframe for them to return. Uh, so there's still a lot of value to be had in Malcolm Brogdon. He's still playing 36 minutes a game. He's a guy who's shot poorly over his last six, but he's not a, a bad, you know, shooter from the field. So he's a de- he's a guy I'm definitely buying low on right now. Do you think uh, Do you think the emergence of TJ McConnell, uh, 6.8 assists per game in just 23 minutes off the bench, uh, has been eating into Brogdon's production? I mean, because McConnell's a guy that you've talked about on this podcast, and he's just been excellent, uh, you know, especially recently. Uh, do you think McConnell's going to start trailing off, or do you think they can both coexist? Uh, what's your thoughts there? Yeah, so I think they can definitely both coexist. I think the problem with the Pacers right now and why McConnell's been seeing more minutes is because the starters are struggling. So when the starters struggle, struggle, the reserves come in. And if the reserves perform at a high level and get the Pacers back into the game, that's going to allow TJ McConnell to have more run throughout the entirety of the game. So if Malcolm Brogdon, Miles Turner, Doug McDermott can get their act together, then I think we're looking at more minutes for the starters if the Pacers can keep it close early in the game. That's a great point, man. Um, somebody that I'm looking to buy low, and uh, I'm not sure how low you can buy him, uh, uh, over his last two games, he's been you know, really disappointing. Uh, we kind of talked about him as somebody that's underperformed this year relative to where you drafted him. I'm looking to get my hands on John Collins, guys. I, I know that might be polarizing or kind of a hot take, but uh, you know, prior to these last two games where he's kind of underperformed as far as scoring and rebounding, I mean, he's he's been giving you, you know, 10 games prior to that, 20 and 10 production that we were looking for. Uh, he's still a top 50 guy this year. He's just not giving you, you know, maybe the early round value you were expecting. Um, defense is down a little bit, but the rest of the numbers are still you know, extremely promising, scoring, rebounding, shooting. Um, so I'm looking to get me some John Collins right now while I can before the price really gets inflated. To your point on uh, John Collins, uh, Woj just tweeted out a few minutes ago. Um, he said that the Hawks, where is it? Uh, he said something about how the Hawks are, are still wanting a, a high lottery first round pick uh, in exchange for him. So he, I mean, listen, they don't want to pay him uh, next season when he's up for a contract. So they're going to look to trade him uh, anywhere, honestly, other than Atlanta, where he has Capella, where he has Trey Young that are just going to dominate, um, you know, some some on offense and on defense. Um Collins could really see an increase of value. So that's that's actually a, a really interesting point that you brought up because the whole first part of this pod, you know, the first couple episodes, we've been talking about how he's a sell high. So um, I, I see where you're on to there, Zach, and I, I tend to agree. So so a little interesting nugget here, and John Collins is a part of it. Uh, in fantasy basketball, I like to look at guys that, you know, they, they might not give you everything, but they're not going to hurt you in any one category where other players might hurt you. And so I looked at uh, points to turnover ratio. And then I looked at, from that ratio, what those guys shot from the field. Because the things that are going to hurt you in terms of nine-category leagues are things like turnovers and field goal percentage. So 
John Collins was actually sixth in the league in points to turnover ratio, and he shoots 55% from the field. So while he's not putting up the numbers that he did last year because of Clint Capella being in town and playing center, he doesn't hurt you in any one position, in any one stat category. So I agree. I, you know, while I'm not infatuated by the, the 25 points and the, the, uh, the 10 rebounds and the five assists per game, he's not getting you that this season, but he's not hurting you in any category. And another guy like that's in the same kind of realm as John Collins there is Malik Beasley. And even with Carl Anthony Towns back in the lineup, Malik Beasley has been cooking. Right, I think he's averaging 25 points a game, five rebounds per game, three assists per game in his last five games. He's taken advantage of D'Angelo Russell being out of the lineup, so he's handling the ball a little bit more. Uh, not sure how long D'Angelo Russell is going to be out for, but Malik Beasley's a guy I don't think is going anywhere. Um, he's super consistent, doesn't turn the ball over, and has has pretty good field goal percentage. Uh, shoots a three extremely well. Um, really been really been. Uh, you know, high on what Malik Beasley has done this season, last season. Yeah, it's interesting because he, uh, from what I recall, you know, he had that uh, legal issue, and it seems like he's going to be able to serve all of his time, you know, after the season. So I think some managers might have been hesitant to pick him up early on the season, but definitely like the play that he's that he's been showing as of late. Another person on the the Timberwolves, since you mentioned it, uh, I was watching an interview with Anthony Edwards last night, and just becoming really impressed with just not only the the player that he's becoming as a number one overall pick, obviously there's a lot of high expectations, but just even a, a better person. But I say that to say he's been playing very well as of late. And I know early in the season, his field goal percentage was really a, a concern as well as his minutes, but with, you know, uh, D'Angelo Russell still on the men with a, what seems to be a, a leg issue or is a knee or a quad, something like that. Um, I feel like he always has a leg injury. Yeah. Yeah. He really does. And at this point, you know, I just like what I've seen of him in the last couple, uh, last couple games, you know, he shot 21 shots against the Hornets, uh, made nine of them grabbed six boards and three assists. And then last game he played 35 minutes at 18 points with seven rebounds and three assists. So I think he's a guy that, you know, while D'Angelo Russell's out, he's been getting a good bulk of the minutes as well as, you know, the staple of the starting lineup is definitely going to be Malik Beasley. But if you need someone that may be able to be rostered in the short term, you could probably pick up Anthony Edwards for the cheap. So, Oh yeah. Edwards has uh, averaged 32 minutes a game uh, in the month of February. And I don't think in the month of February, he's seen a game with less than 30 minutes. Uh, he's been good. I agree with that. Okay. Before we move on from buy low, sell high, I want to, I want to bring up uh, a guy. I think it'd be remiss of us to not bring up his name. Um, I'm really concerned about Anthony Davis, uh, rest of season fantasy value. Uh, he tweaked his Achilles strain, uh, over the weekend and, you know, he's already was not playing first half of back-to-backs or the second half of back-to-backs. He was resting, you know, for the most part on, on one of those. Um, what are we doing with, with AD? I mean, when he plays, he's good. You know, he, he provides pretty good value, but not top five value where he was drafted at. Um, I think Montrez Harrell and I think Dennis Schroeder, their presence on the on the offense has kind of capped his, you know, elite, elite, like top three upside ceiling. You know, he doesn't have to do as much as he was asked to last year or in years previous. Um, but now you throw the Achilles strain and, and something that he's going to be dealing with, you know, and the Lakers have title aspirations. They're not looking at a, at a regular season game right now. You know, they want to win that. They want to go through the playoffs and, and win another championship. Um, what are you doing with them? I mean, are you selling him? Are you, are you looking to buy him while his value is low? I'm interested. 
think it's a bit risky right now to to tell. I, I at least want to hear the MRI results uh, before I'm wanting to buy him. And you know, certainly as a seller, I don't think you're going to be able to get much with you know just the concern of an, an Achilles injury. And it's, I think it's what's being described as Achilles tendinosis, which is worse than a strain. Um, it's more of like a chronic Achilles injury, from what I understand. And I'm 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 concerned, man. Like I I don't want. <laughs> he's already sitting out back to backs. He's missed several games this season. He's probably going to miss a bulk of the next week, regardless of how severe the injury is. He's not going to be playing anytime soon. To your point, Alex the Lakers have championship aspirations and there's no reason for him to get out on the floor when they're currently, you know, 21 and seven on, on the season. So I'm, I'm extremely concerned. I don't know what you do with him. I think you just have to play the waiting game, stash him on IR and, and hope for the best that your team is good enough that you can make the playoffs. And then hopefully you get him back for when it matters most. Yeah, I, I agree. I think he's definitely kind of in that no man's land where you're not going to, you're not going to get a good return for him. And it's, it's a really high risk to buy him because the owner's going to want a little bit more than what you're willing to provide. Um, so, yeah, I think you definitely hold him and stash him and hope for the best. Um, and in the meantime, you grab Kyle Kuzma off waivers, who's less than 50% rostered in Yahoo leagues uh, and has gone for 16-9 and nine over his last four games. So I think Kuz is starting to turn it on, pick up the rebounding, uh, which is something that he's kind of struggled with in the past. We, you know, we know he's capable of putting up some points when given the opportunity. Uh, so he's a guy I'm going to grab in the meantime if I'm the Davis, uh, the guy with Davis on my team for sure. Yep, totally agree. Uh, Anthony Davis is a sell for me. I don't trust his health. The Lakers don't need him to make the playoffs. They need him to be fully healthy for the playoff run. They had a sh- they had the shortest offseason of any NBA team uh, outside the Heat, obviously, as they uh, they went to the finals and won the championship. So, so I'm out on AD. He scared me before his Achilles uh, soreness popped up. You know, like Dan said, he wasn't playing back-to-backs. He's questionable every single game, and he's on the he's on the doubtful side of questionable, whereas LeBron is on the probable side yeah. of questionable every night. Uh, so true. I'm I'm trying to get I'm trying to get out of the AD business, and a guy I'd be looking to acquire is Jonas Valanciunas, and I'm not saying necessarily do a one-for-one deal AD for Valanciunas. See what else the, the guy that has Valanciunas has on his squad, and maybe package. Uh, you know, maybe do something like AD and and uh, AD for Valanciunas and you know uh, OG and Nunaby or uh, Harrison Barnes or somebody like that. So get yourself two quality starters uh, for the risky AD. I got some uh, got some stats here on Valanciunas since he's returned from his uh, absence due to the COVID nineteen. Over his last, I think it's five games, he's averaging twenty one point four points. 68% shooting from the field, 83% from the free throw line, 12.6 rebounds, and 2.6 assists per game. He's even shot four of six from deep, so he can he can give you a, a long ball every now and again. He's he's putting up uh, better numbers than DeAndre Ayton this season. DeAndre Ayton's only averaging 13.8 points and 12 rebounds per game. Uh, very average. I think Jonas Valanciunas has a very high ceiling there in Memphis. Uh, they like to play him a lot. So that's uh, that's my take on what I'm doing with AD and maybe who I'm trying to look to acquire. And Valachunas, I mean, he had some spiciness in him last night. Did you? I don't know if you guys saw that exchange of the uh, the dunks when he uh, had a couple head tops and like swinging on the rim. It was pretty funny to watch. He's playing with some swag right now. I like it a lot. Definitely. The other the other person playing with swag who is like the swag god, honestly, is Kyle Kuzma. So I love that your uh, your take there, Zach, in terms of picking him up. 
extremely under under rostered right now. He's been playing great. And he even had a nice little highlight dunk too, where he put Michael Porter Jr. on the floor on a tip slam. It was it was nasty. So check that out if you get a chance. So yeah, so let's get into some other some other notes. Um any spicy takes this week, Adam? What is your usually you're good for one. You know, last week it was Juan T, the 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 second coming of the of the Juan T God. I mean, he's reading quotes from Steve Kerr. And sure, like he had a he had a good week, but uh I did notice that the person that rostered Juan T in one of our leagues had recently just dropped him. So is that a sign that you're are you over Juan T or and who is your next person? Who are you eyeing? Juan T unfortunately is no longer the Juan I love. <laughs> oh God. I'm, I'm out on Juan T. James Wiseman's expected back soon. Eric Pascal's getting 20 minutes a game. Uh, you know, I loved Juan T for a week or two, but but I'm out. I'm out on the Juan T love now. A guy. Speaking of spicy, here's a guy that's been absolutely dominant in his last six games. So since Paul George has been out with an injury, and we talked about which which Clipper was the best to pick up, Lou Williams has been averaging 23 points, 3.2 rebounds, six assists and 1.2 steals in 27 minutes per game. And that's, you know, in the beginning of the season, he was averaging just 11 points on 20 minutes per game. Now, we talk about how well he's producing now. Lou Williams is a guy I'm looking to sell, sell, sell. When Paul George comes back, which should be really soon, and Kawhi's on the floor, Lou Williams resorts back to that 20 minutes per game on average off the bench. Lou Williams, the, the numbers that he's been putting up in the last five, six games have been incredible, and he's not. It's not going to continue with Paul George and Kawhi Leonard healthy. So Lou Williams is a guy I'm looking to sell uh, as soon as I possibly can, coming off this dominant five, six game stretch. So you're saying Lemon Pepper Lou is going from spicy Buffalo to mild barbecue after Paul George comes back? <laughs> That's the connection I was trying to make. I was going to put a Magic City. Uh, wing reference in there but couldn't think of exactly how to do it but thanks Zach for <laughs> I got you brother of course that was a good call though he's been I mean to your point he's been incredible um, someone I'm, I'm keeping an eye on I don't know if this is a spicy take or if this is a hot take or what Moritz Wagner let's talk about him Moritz Wagner I guess you, that's how you say his name uh, for the Wizards he's a center I don't know if you noticed but but on Sunday versus the Celtics when they blew the Celtics out of the building I don't know what in the world happened uh, to Boston but uh, Alex Len Robin Williams both of them were healthy um, or not excuse me not Robert Robert Lopez both of them were healthy and uh, it was actually Moritz Wagner that, that drew the start he played uh, 22 minutes put up 11 points four rebounds uh, two steals one block he was pretty impressive and I know center has been something that the Wizards have struggled with ever since Thomas Bryant went out with an injury. So, you know, he's somebody I'm keeping an eye on, only rostered in 3.1% of ESPN and Yahoo leagues. So, Yeah, unfortunately for me, you know, when I look at the Wizards, the only guy I really want is Bradley Beal. You know, Russell Westbrook, you know, plays every other game. Not too into that. I mean, he's going to get you close to a triple-double when he does play. He turns the ball over a lot and doesn't shoot with good percentages. Um, The Wizards like to you know, move around who's in their starting lineup every two or three games. It was Denny Ev- Avdia, Avdija, I don't know exactly how you say his name. Um, Garrison Matthews, Davis Bertans, now it's Moritz Wagner. I just, I just don't trust what the Wizards are doing with their rotations for me to, you know, make Wagner, Wagner a, a viable pickup for my squad after just one game. All right, let's get into our next segment. 
Brought to you by Mr. Burnsy. We got the mailbag. So we're going to be taking some questions from Twitter. Make sure that we can give you some responses to give you some advice on on how we would play some of these different questions. So, Alex, what do you got for us? Yeah. A uh, guy by the name of Fantasy Dud, uh, kind of ironic, uh, hit me up on Twitter uh, earlier this week. He said uh, he's in a little bit of a dilemma. Uh, he's got a bunch of injuries. The injury bug has hit his team incredibly hard. And he's also dropped three straight weeks. He's, he's lost three in a row. So he, he's in a must-win position. Uh, he currently has Mike Conley, OG Ananobi, Wendell Carter Jr., and now Mitchell Robinson, all injured. They're all on IR. He wants to know if he should drop Mitchell Robinson and add one of the top waiver wire guys, or should he try and hold on to him and just try and hope the team that he has that's available can get him a win? What are your thoughts? Man, with with Mitchell Robinson out four to six weeks, you've got the the all-star break coming up. Mitchell Robinson may only really be out three weeks of, of game action. I'd probably try to hold on to Mitchell Robinson if I could. I'd hope to be able to stash him on IR. Uh, unless there's a guy like Sadiq Bey out there on the wire, I'd probably look to hold on to Mitchell Robinson if I could. Zach and Dan, what do you guys think? I'm dropping him, dude. Um, I, there, there's no reason to hold on to a guy on your team if you're in must-win right now. Now, if he had lost one, if he was you know two and one over his last three weeks and still competitive, fine. Uh, but it sounds like this dude is desperate, man. Um, you got who else did you mention? Wendell Carter, Mike Connolly. Um, y- your whole team is basically just a, a an IR squad. So unless you got five or six IR spots on your team. Uh, which might not be a bad idea this year. Um, you know, you need the wins right now. I, I, I'm picking up a guy that can get me consistent points and help me to get a much-needed win right now. See you, Mitchell Robinson. You're gone, man. Yeah, I think my, my take would be uh, if before I released him, I would at least try to trade him, package him in with somebody else maybe that's higher up in the standings that can afford to stash a player like that for a, yeah. a, a playoff run. Because I agree with Adam that, you know, four to six weeks, I, I think he could probably make it back quicker. I think the Knicks are actually going to be in playoff contention, uh, despite probably a hot take. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't I don't really like his options. And to be honest, like what he sounded what sounded like he was at on, was on his IR sounded very concerning. Like, I don't know how you're going to get out of that hole with with people like OG Ananobi and, and Mike Conley all banged up, too. So um, tough road ahead. But I would I would actually drop Wendell Carter out of everybody. Like, I don't I don't really have much faith in that guy. I tuned out for a second. Did you just say the Knicks are going to be in the playoff race come the end that's of the my, season? That's my spicy take of the week, gentlemen. Oh, the goodness. Knicks will oh, make the playoffs. Ooh, Derrick Rose <laughs> is really going really gonna to turn that team around. Uh, I mean, he's a vet. But no, I, I think, uh, I don't know. I think they got something cooking there in New York, man. I, I think they might be a little, they might be active on the uh, the trade deadline. We'll see. We'll see. You can hold me to it. We'll see. Yeah, they're they're definitely been pretty good. It's been nice watching my Heat uh, get two wins against them in the last week. That was pretty fun. Um, <laughs> I'll say uh, I agree with Dan. I would drop Wendell Carter Jr. out of that group, but it's interesting because uh, OG and Anobi could be back fairly soon. I believe he's day to day. He's been questionable uh, for much of the past week. So uh, when when he comes back, you can put him on there, and you could uh, possibly have an open you know IR spot. You could put Mitchell Robinson. If that's the case, he's worth holding on to. But Three straight, you know, I, I would understand if you dropped him just for, to get one of the, the top waiver wire guys. Adam, what's up? I think the theme here that we need to discuss is, you know, in, in a compressed season like this, if you don't have the ability to put a, a guy on IR and he's going to be out four to six weeks, you need to cut bait if it's not, you know, one of the top superstars in the NBA. 
So if you don't have a space for Mitchell Robinson on your IR and he's out four to six weeks, you have to let him go. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. I agree. Now, moving on to the next question. Uh, speaking of the IR spot, uh, Marcus Smart has been out for the last couple of weeks. Uh, should be inching closer to a return. Andrew McLean hit me up on Twitter. He said uh, somebody dropped Marcus Smart in his league, and he wants to know if he should pick him up for Kobe White or Evan Fournier. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I would not drop Kobe White, uh, but the injury, the back injury to Evan Fournier does have me concerned. And Evan Fournier is not a guy um, that's going to do, you know, a heck of a whole lot outside of scoring. So Marcus Smart is definitely a guy I would, I'd pick up and I would drop Fournier. I would absolutely not drop Kobe White. 100% agree. Yeah, I'm in total agreement there. Uh, to your point on Evan Fournier, he's been battling back spasms for all of the course of the season. So there's no end in sight for this injury and obviously it's going to be a lingering problem. So yeah, I, I would definitely hold on Kobe white though. Thomas Sandoransky, it is, it is definitely concerning that he's eaten into his minutes and, and he's playing pretty well. He's been quite productive in terms of filling up the box score, but Kobe white's their future. Um, hold on to him. Yeah. I think we talked a little bit about Kobe white on the last pod. I mean, he, somebody for me, he's a, uh, a buy for me. Uh, he's somebody that I'm actually looking to acquire. Uh, he's, steadily averaging 30 plus minutes a game. He's playing a massive role, especially uh, with Laurie marketing out. He's seeing a lot of usage. He's somebody that I'm looking to acquire uh, actually. So definitely not dropping Kobe white for Marcus smart, Evan Fournier. It's interesting. He's seen a, a nice usage spike with, uh, with the injury to Aaron Gordon, but Gordon might be missing a couple more weeks and the back injury. I would, I would have no problem cutting Evan Fournier, but I'm probably not doing it. I don't know. Speaking of the magic, have you seen the starting lineup recently? It's got Michael Crazy. Carter Williams, Gary Clark, James Ennis. They've got uh, they've got three guys off the bench, and they're all over six ten. Ken Birch, I forget the rookie's name. Chumi, uh, Chuma something. Chuma and, and Mo Bamba came off the bench for the Magic on Sunday night, so they don't have anybody off the bench that, that's under six ten. Dude, they're a disaster, man. Like it just <laughs> sucks. Like they they drafted a point guard. They, you know, he's he got hurt. Uh, they don't have it like they're running with Michael Carter Williams. Like this is, I feel like this is like 2000, 2012 here, man. This is crazy. But yeah, that you're right. They're they're in trouble. So even if you're a, the only person to own on the Magic right now, really is Nikola Vucevic, and yeah, it's just a, it's just a struggle. And he's averaging career highs across the board this season. So he's he's crushing it. Yeah. We've talked, about it before. We've talked about it before. Vooch is the most underrated fantasy star uh, the past five years, uh, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, one more question for you guys. This is a, uh, a guy named Alex M. writing me on Twitter. He's in a 12-team, uh, nine-category, head-to-head league. Uh, and he asked, is trading away Devontae Graham and Robert Covington to acquire Lonzo Ball giving away too much? And I thought that was kind of interesting. Interested to hear your thoughts. I don't think it is, man. Um, it was you said it was Devonte Graham and and Robert Roko. Covington. Uh, Rocco, right? Yeah, dude. He's, he, he's been a guy that's been. I I hate saying it, man, but he's been a guy that's been borderline drop for me for ugh, a couple of weeks now. I think you can still get some trade value, you know, name recognition from Robert Covington, but 
Um, you know, Devontae Graham's been really balling this season still, but as we mentioned, Terry Rozier, uh, LaMelo Ball, obviously, uh, and then other guys on the team stepping up, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, Cody Z's actually putting in some work. So I don't think Devontae Graham's the type of guy that you necessarily have to have on your team. And Lonzo Ball's really been picking up his production lately. So I don't think that's giving away too much right now. I would, I would probably make that deal. Man, how did we manage to get three of the worst field goal shooters in the NBA in one trade? <laughs> they all shoot, Rocco, Devontae Graham, and Lonzo Ball all shoot under like 38% from the field. And, you know, Devontae Graham's now hurt. Robert Covington's done absolutely nothing this season. Robert Covington's basically a drop. So are you trading Devontae Graham for Lonzo Ball? My answer is yes. Devontae Graham just sustained an injury. Terry Rozier and LaMelo Ball have been balling, no pun intended. So for me, yes, I'm, tra- I'm I'm going to get Lonzo Ball, even though, you know, with the trade rumors that surround him, his kind of low field goal percentage, he offers up a little bit more upside for me than Devontae Graham does at this point. Yeah, I would add that uh, Rocco is a no-go for me. That guy sucks. Um, not sure what's going on with him in Portland, <laughs> but he's just not, he's just not the, the guy that, you know, we intended him to be. Uh, totally agree with what you guys said. I would I would easily flip Devontae Graham and Rocco for Lonzo Ball. I think Lonzo Ball's since he's come back from his knee issue, he's been draining more threes. He's been contributing across the board in rebounds and assists. Um, and I like his defensive metrics as well. So he'll get you some swipes, uh, maybe a block or two here and there. So yeah, I, I'm I'm fading uh, Devontae Graham and, and Rocco for that. You know, make that move, make it happen now. You know who Rocco's basically become? He's basically basically become the Trailblazers' P.J. Tucker. He doesn't do anything. P.J. Tucker plays like 40 minutes a game, and he gets <laughs> you like five points and two steals. That's basically what Rocco's doing right now. Yeah. yeah. And with all the injuries in the, in the, with the Blazers, you would think that he would have a better – I don't know. He would, he actually had a decent week last week, but, like, I don't know. He's just not consistent. I'm, I don't want him. A few well, nights ago, a few nights ago on TNT, Reggie Miller talked about the Portland Trailblazers' depth. They said they're bringing in Carmelo Anthony off the bench, first ballot Hall of Famer. They've got so much bench depth, and I'm thinking to myself, they bring Rodney Hood and Anthony Simons off the bench, and that's literally it. They have an eight-man <laughs> rotation with two scrubs and a guy who's a washed-up first ballot Hall of Famer. <laughs> Yeah, Robert Covington's been one of my biggest disappointments this season uh, from a fantasy perspective. Uh, someone that he's good, uh, you know, he makes he's a positive uh, impact for your team when he's on the floor. But for fantasy, he's just he's no bueno. So, yeah, I, I'm with you guys on that. Uh, Lonzo Ball, something to, to keep in mind with Lonzo Ball is, um, you know, he's been in the trade conversations uh, for the last couple weeks. So his value could either really plummet or, you know, take a, a huge spike depending on uh, if he gets traded before the deadline uh, coming up here in a few weeks. So that's something I'm, I'm looking to acquire. I, I like Lonzo ball uh, from a fantasy perspective. So yeah, that's what I, I agree with all you guys. Burns. Let's get, let's, let's hit it one more. All right. Uh, kind of touched on him a little bit, but uh, talking about Michael Carter Williams and, and the magic. Uh, I know it was Adam. You hit on this earlier in the, uh, in this pod about how uh, bad teams uh, usually can produce good fantasy players even that are young because they want to give him run. They want to give him playing time. Cole Anthony has, has been the beneficiary of that with Markel Fultz going out with a, a knee injury this season. But Michael Carter Williams was kind of impressive 
uh, as he came back from a lengthy absence. What do we think about Michael Carter-Williams? Is that somebody that you'd look to add? Uh, do you think he's going to remain in the starting lineup when Cole Anthony goes down with or comes back from his shoulder injury? What are you thinking about Michael Carter-Williams? This was asked by Jeffrey Cooperman. Depends on who you have to give up to get him. I, I mean, he's a hot waiver wire ad right now. I think he's a great streamer uh, until Cole Anthony comes back. But, um, you know, if, if you're just looking to kind of plug and play and stream, you know, excellent. And then, you know, maybe drop him when Cole Anthony comes back. But if you have to give up a, a lot or a, a guy that's going to regularly see the floor, I probably wouldn't be making that move. Yeah, I, I would say that uh, in terms of Michael Carter-Williams, I think he might have a chance to – remain in the rotation, especially with, with Evan Fournier battling back issues. Again, they are extremely thin in the backcourt. So I think there is life for him at least over the next week or so, but I wouldn't be surprised if we see Cole Anthony return to the floor sometime this week. Uh, if he is battling in what seems to be a shoulder issue. So it's probably like an AC, AC joint sprain, something like that. Uh, typically, you know, that's that's no more than like a, a two week injury. So I would expect him to be back. And if you're in the buying market, I think Cole Anthony is a good target. He's a guy that can get you sneaky blocks, um, definitely gets assists. I think his field goal percentage is still a bit shaky. He's probably more in that Devontae Graham, Kobe White territory of inefficiency. But uh, just with the pure opportunity and minutes that he's going to be getting north of 30, good place, good person I want to have later on the season. Yeah. I actually kind of like Michael Carter Williams just for the 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 fact that the Magic don't have any scoring guards. You know, we talked about how off the bench they had three centers. So even when Cole Anthony and or Evan Fournier returned to the lineup, Michael Carter Williams is still going to be coming off the bench, seeing twenty five plus minutes a game, and he can rack up the stats when he comes in. I mean, he's, he's shown that in his in his career previous to being on the Magic. And in, in his first two games, he's put up he's put up pretty good numbers for Orlando. So I think I think he definitely has a spot in the rotation. His minutes might come down a little bit, usage might come down a little bit, but you know Orlando's looking for guys that can put the ball in the basket, and and Carter Williams can do that for you. And just one final thought on Michael Carter Williams, you know, while he's a guy that's averaged ten point four points, four rebounds, four assists, and just over one steal per contest over the course of his career. He is a guy that is good enough to get you some short-term value and potentially value for the rest of the season if the Magic continue to get banged up in the backcourt. So just wanted to add that last thought in there. But, Bernsey, thank you for going over the latest mailbag. Guys, hit him up on Twitter. Hit us all up. We would love to answer your questions, anything fantasy-related. Be happy to touch on them on this pod. So, Check back in with us next week. We'll be running through the week nine in review. And take care. We'll catch you next time. Peace.